Coming up this week, off-screen, Guillermo del Toro shows us the shape of water, Saoirse Ronan is Ladybird, Chadwick Boseman is the Black Panther, Colin Firth reaches for the Mercy, Fifty Shades get freed, and Clint Eastwood boards the 1517 to Paris. All this come and more, off-screen. This is... This is off-screen. Off-screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Cutt. And I am Case Allen. So it's been a fortnight. We've had a week off, Mr. Allen. Feels longer. We're, we're a little older. We're a little wiser. Yeah. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Slightly more grey hair. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I keep finding grey hairs in my beard, and really? I feel distinguished. We're, we're both bearded men, so this, is, this comes to us all, I think. Some, more, inevitable. some more than others. Some more than others. I'm, I'm very short and pointed. But... Uh, <laughs> So that's, yeah. that's not just your beard. That's, that's, that's not all of me. That's how you describe me as a person. Yeah. So um, <laughs> amazing, amazing week of stuff to cover. And then there's some stuff from last week, which is uh, not so fun to cover. But we're going to um, talk about it anyway, even though we weren't yeah. here. Of course. So um, yeah. we, we need to start then. Before we get to the news reviews, Box Office Top 5, everything else, uh, we need to start with some news. So yeah. I'm going to let you start with some news. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. But I tell let's, you what. Let's mix it up. So um, did you ever see Kung Fury? No, despite the fact that it is on Netflix and it's only it's like half an hour or something. It's something like it's like twenty eight minutes or something. like I, that. I'm aware of it. I should check it out, and I will check oh, it out now. It's so good. It's okay. So this was the crowdfunded '80s retro synth uh, sort of kung fu video game kind of Streets of Rage epic, in which uh, a martial artist cop known as Kung Fury pursued. <laughs> Pursued yes. history's greatest villain across time. History's greatest villain, by the way, being uh, Kung Fuhrer, uh, a.k.a. Adolf Hitler. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yes. And uh, he hacks time because he has a friend called Hacker Man. And he hacks time. <laughs> and he travels, yeah, <laughs> travels back in time. To Yeah, it, it's as ridiculous as it sounds. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. And did I mention it's got David Hasselhoff doing this as its theme song? Oh, why have I not watched that? It's so good. Here's the best part then. Okay, so they're now they're making a, a proper feature-length sequel. Mm, same right. director. Same director. David Sandberg. Is David it? Sandberg. Not David F. Sandberg. Not David F. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So one's a big-time director. He says that on his card. This guy says that. Big-time director. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a big boy director. My mum says I'm a director. Yeah, only Spielberg gets to dish them out. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an Illuminati set up between like George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and Ron Howard, and they just decide who's a big big-time director every year. That's that's how it works. Yeah. It's the secret meeting behind the Oscars. Yeah. Anyway. My big, big everyone's Colin Trevorrow, and then Book of Henry came out. <laughs> and then they like, took it back. Bye bye. It's like Dr. Cox and his man card. We'll, we'll take your card and we'll take your Star Wars film from you. <laughs> Thank you. Man card. <laughs> But yeah, so um, the not big time director David Sandberg is going to adapt his own short into a feature length film. Hasselhoff will be back as an actual, as, as actually in the film. He's going to be back in the film. He's going to star in the film this time. And uh, here's where it gets even better um, <laughs> Michael Fassbender <laughs> is signed on to be in this. Because when you think of. Kitch campy eighties fun. Yeah, I think of I think you of, think of Fassbender. Yeah, totally. I think of the star of Shame. 
that's absolutely <laughs> what I think of yeah. for, you know, campy 80s fun. Because in, in, in his head, Girls Just Want Our Fun was playing. That, like, that's what it was. Yeah, that, do you know what I mean? That totally was what that, that, that opening shot when it's just him, <laughs> butt naked. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so Kung Fury 2, or whatever it's going to be called, is, is on the way, apparently. I can't wait. That's up there with Super Troopers 2 as one of the yeah. sequels I thought I would never, ever see. Well, the trailer for that dropped a while ago as well. It did. It? And I, I laughed myself senseless, and others in the room less so, and I'm just yeah. like, I hang around humanless people. See, now I just need a sequel to uh, um, a Turbo Kid. That's what I need. Oh, see, I'm still waiting for Old School 2. So <laughs> right, okay. That's, that's my dream comedy sequel. Like uh, like Fox always say, let's wait and see what happens with Jeremy Piven before we, <laughs> before we make a decision. <laughs> he was the villain. He wouldn't even have to be back. But uh, bring, bring him back. But you will. Help, it, help him out. He, yeah. he, he needs it. Yeah, very yeah. true. Okay, so we should... Oh, let's plug the podcast before we do it for this okay. review. So yeah. podcast edition, uh, you can find that on Acast, iTunes, uh, Deezer, TuneIn, loads of different all podcast stuff. services. All of them. Yeah. Everyone, but totally, we we covered the spread, man. Yeah, we're just not on Spotify's curated one yet. I don't think. Uh, we'll, just, we'll, we'll get in. We're now. not we're not good enough for Spotify or or Tidal. <laughs> Jay Z and you, <laughs> Jay Z and your abuse of the English consonants. There, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. J hyphen Z. Oh, oh, about the podcast, incidentally, mm. uh, it's been uh, Acast have made a change uh, so that digital bling will only be accessible um, on their dedicated smartphone app now. So it kind of rules out about half the people that would have been seeing the digital playing so we're going to stop doing that oh. it takes too much time but it's, you like saying digital playing i know i'll just remind everyone every week that we don't have digital playing anymore so you still at least get to say it <laughs> so i still get to say it that's that's okay so uh we've got like seven minutes to talk about a film we've both seen yeah we could talk about it for seven hours i think we I could feel. so we've both seen it. we both liked it it's it's out this week it's out on friday uh fr- friday the is it the 16th it is actually out now it came out oh it came out this came out yeah it came out I, Valentine's I Day. saw it last night you yeah. did okay so the Shape of Water, uh, well, co-written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. He's written this with Vanessa Taylor, I believe. Yeah. And uh, this is, well, I mean, how do you want to describe this? Okay, so you, what did you, what did you, how would you synopsize this one? Um, it is about a uh, mute uh, cleaning lady that works in some kind of high-tech um, facility, some kind of lab. She doesn't really know anything about it. She mm. doesn't really know what's going on, but she happens upon uh, a creature that is being... <laughs> Uh, captured and analyzed, analyzed, yeah. experimented on in yeah. the lab. Oh, My, all this is during the the height of the Cold War as well. Yeah, so it's very much like U.S. versus the Russians mm. and the spies and there's love, romance. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll dance. <laughs> you will literally do all of those things. There's, there's cats, there's fishmen, there's Michael Shannon's crazy, crazy eyes, and crazy <laughs> eyes, and and two fingers as well. Those are, oh. which I'm never going <laughs> to unsee. Um, okay, it is yeah. okay. So it, it is basically the creature from the Black Lagoon as a straight fairy tale for adults romance. Yeah, it is Gilman. It, it is exactly that. Okay, here's a clip. Well, you look at this. Look. Some of the best minds in the country peeing all over the floor in this here facility. Mm, mm, mm. There's pee freckles on the ceiling now. How'd they get it up there? Just how big a target do they need, you figure? You get enough practice, that's for sure. My Brewster... No one's ever called him a great man, but even he manages to hit the can 7% of the time. <laughs> Excuse us, sir. No, no, no. That's all right. Go ahead. You ladies seem to be chatting enjoyably. 
Girl talk, no doubt. Don't mind me. That is Sir Michael of Shannon. Yeah. And uh, we, we're both quite big fans of him in this. Mm. And, uh, well, this, the weird thing is that that clip is a moment of, uh, I would say, almost charm from him early on in that film. Kind of. Kind of. He's, I think that's the thing. He is charismatic the entire, entire mm. way through. You kind of can't help but look at him, but he is deranged. Oh, yes, he is. Yeah. And he plays so it. So he's, he's, he's not charismatic in, you know, the George Clooney flogging, like, like the Nespresso pods or whatever kind of way. Uh, it, oh, yeah. Yeah. This is, I think this is like full-blown De Niro and Cape Fear psychosis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's just one thing to take away from, one little thing to take away from the many, many, many brilliant things in this film, mm. which is outstanding. It looks amazing. It's, uh, isn't the same DP from Crimson Peak? And I believe so. I believe and so. It's, it's Alexander uh, Despite. Doing doing the, who, who of course came uh, up in that Quincy Jones interview last week. As uh, he's he's uh, he's Quincy's he, Quincy considers him a brother. He's doing wonderful things. That's what we're told. Um, <laughs> do you not know By that? Boy, we're going to talk about that a lot. A lot. <laughs> podcast, extras, podcast extras. We're going to unpack that Quincy Jones interview for a yeah. moment. Um, but yes, yeah, so Alexander Splod in there as well. Mm. Um, just. Just gorgeous visuals, the usual artistic direction that Del Toro films seem to take. And then, of course, you've got those two performances in the lead. You've got Sally Hawkins, who is just amazing. She really is. She's it's got this. She's incredible. She's vulnerable, yet completely daring at the same time. Yeah. And she plays it to perfection, despite the fact that she's mute. Mm. I think we do hear, like, we do hear faint bits of dialogue, I think, but they're not within a sort of real-world context. Yeah, well, the whole thing is quite dreamlike, so mm. it doesn't take you out of that at all. No, no that's the thing as well. I hate yeah. that dreamlike fairy tale quality. I absolutely love that, cause, and it really leans yeah. hard into the fact that it's for grown-ups early on. It's uh... Yeah. <laughs> More than you might think. More than you might think. This is Seth Rogen at the yeah. beginning of Knocked Up, sat there with a notepad <laughs> and clipboard, uh, yeah. noting things down. This is that level of, it's, uh, of movie. It's just such a great cast. I think what I love about the cast so much is just... It's full of people in starring roles that usually just do like amazing supporting turns and things. Yeah, I And there are people like Richard Jenkins and Michael Stuhlbarg. I knew you were going to single him out as well. <laughs> Mickey Stuhl, he's the best. <laughs> Michael Who, Stuhlbarg, who's got a, a yeah. decent meaty role as well. He does, but like, usually when they're in something for like two or three minutes, they make it. That's they so make much it count, better, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Jenkins, uh, great, Jenkins soul great great performance. Yeah. I really like that character very much. He's Because I think by the end of that film, he's still not entirely got that character particularly mm. figured out, but he's just so kind of likeable and charming as the sort of would-be confidant, really, isn't he? Essentially, yeah. She's yeah. like her best friend. But Sally Hawkins, absolutely amazing here. And I think Doug Jones deserves a lot of credit as well, because that yeah. is a, basically a, a completely physical, non-verbal performance. It is, yeah. It's like, if Andy Serkis is like the most Cap King, Ben. Doug Jones has kind of got this prosthetic thing. Yeah, he's got to be that guy, right? He's got yeah. to be the the, the prosthetic equivalent of he's, he's who I think of now when I think of just like full, heavy, all body makeup. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think about it all the time, obviously. He's, he's got what gets back. me going. He's going back in Hellboy, right? He's got to be. Oh, in the new. I, I don't know. In the reboot, do you think he will? I mean, it's not going to be the same without him. That's the part you can't replace, is just having Doug Jones in there. It's a completely different vision, isn't it? Yeah. Bro? Even though, like, obviously, Hellboy will always look like Hellboy. It's, um, <laughs> it's true. He's, he's there because him and Del Toro are best friends. And Del Toro. Yeah. I've. 
I don't know. I need to go back and watch Kronos and Pans, but this might be my favourite Del Toro. That was my next. That was my final point I was going to wrap up on, because you and I are both Del Toro fans. Yes. And do you think think this is the absolute peak of... This is peak Del Toro? The Crimson Peak, if you will. This is the Crimson (laughs) Peak, if you will. Um, (laughs) Do you know what? It might be, because it blends together, like, his weird, horror-y art house self, and then his mainstream stuff that he's learned from doing Hellboy and from doing Blade mm. 2 and I think and this it, is, it, it uh, marries together so well I think it's going to be a tough act to follow I can't wait to see it again it, same I'm absolutely the same yeah. and I've, I've had friends of mine see it and actually be coming out in tears and it, it's a genuinely beautiful story it's so uh, sort of soulfully written and mm. and, read, it's, and it's acted out with genuine chemistry as well yes but, uh, which is crazy when you think that it's about a lady that can't speak and a fish man and a fish man yes manphibian as you said manphibian I'd, I'd got that off a tweet somewhere oh. but by the way apparently there was a there was a tweet I saw and I forget who it was by I don't know if it's it might be the same one but is, I'm thinking of is it the same one where, where the on. film is to forever now be called Grinding Nemo yeah it is yeah, yeah. oh man that's, that's a good one <laughs> but it is a beautiful amazing film worthy of every award it's been nominated for um, they've they've snubbed Michael, Michael Shannon as far as I'm concerned but <laughs> yeah but then also Richard Jenkins, Octavia Spencer, and Sally, Sally Hawkins. I, I don't know. Like, I feel like Francis McDormand is going to win. And I'm yeah. fine with that because it's an amazing performance. But I think it's between Sally Hawkins and Francis McDormand now. Well, one me return, we'll talk about uh, one of the other best, actri- best sporting actress picks of the year as well. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. on-screen radio show. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, uh, on to a film you've been telling me about for at least a month, I think, now. Right about, yeah. Uh, so, Lady Bird, which is um, not the directorial debut of Greta Gerwig, which I think most people think it is. What's the uh, what's the one she actually directed in 2008? I'm not sure Nights what and weekends. Nights and Weekends? Possibly, but she is a co-director on that. So, That's it. Billing this is her debut, which a, a it is. Debut. It's a solo debut. Okay, fair enough. So this is, uh, she's also written this as well. It is uh, described as a semi-autobiographical tale. It's set in 2002, and it follows um, a young girl, Christine, or, who prefers to be known as Ladybird. She's, uh, she, for instance, she's so argumentative with the sort of the state of the norm in the world that she refuses to accept even the idea of being given an actual designated human name hmm. without picking her own instead. And basically, it's it's her final year of of high school. It's a sort of it's a devout is it a devout Christian school or a devout Catholic school? Yeah, I think it's one of the two. Um, some kind of religion. It's some kind of it's some kind of religion. Yeah. There are nuns. I think I, I, I believe it. It's. I was going to say Christian. You can say Christian. I, I, okay, I there we are. I, I, one of us is wrong, and I'm fine with either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with either. Um, but yeah, she's got to go through the final year of high school uh, in this uh, in this religious setting in the small town of Sacramento, which she feels is a very stifling setting. Where in actuality, you know, it's a regular sized town. Um, along this, along the course of this year, she'll discover first love. She'll discover new friendships. She'll discover how to repair old friendships. And she does all of this whilst dealing with uh, supposedly antagonistic relationships with her mother, who's simply struggling in her own way to get through the year as well. Here is a clip of Breakfast One Morning. Why can't I just make the eggs? Because you take too long, you make a big mess, and I have to clean the whole thing up. Eggs aren't good for the environment anyways. What? You heard her. Quickly, please. Look at all these pictures. Every newspaper looks like USA Today. Shelly and I are trying to be vegan. That's a soy milk. You wear leather jackets. But they're vintage, so they don't support the industry. They aren't done. There's white stuff. You know how much you have brambles? Pigs are smarter than him, even. I never thought brambles was a genius, okay? Mom, the eggs are not done. Fine, make your own f- 
I wanted to. You won't let me. Sister doesn't like me. I'm hungry. She does. There's your chance. Going to bed. And of course, fade into uh, One Hand in My Pocket by uh, Lannis Morissette, which. That's the song that you, that you have. That totally is. Um, I really liked this. I like this a lot. Um, yeah, I really like this as well. I think the worst thing I can say about it is I came away from it thinking, oh man, why did people lowball The Edge of 17 so much? Because they're basically the same movie with different with different sets of appeal and focus. So I don't you- know. I, I was really cold on really? Edge of 17. That's, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. I mean, maybe it's not to everyone. I personally think that should have been a big thing. But. Mm. Uh, that's fair. You didn't. These things happen. I think Woody Harrelson's good in it. I don't like um, Haley Stanfield's central performance. Ah, okay, fair that's, enough. That's the thing that gets me about that film. Well, this um, this owes a, owes a huge debt to two really great performances at the centre. Uh, Saoirse Ronan, I think, is is absolutely faultless. But then again, she always is. You can put Saoirse Ronan in the worst films, and she'll brighten them up. Like this is a third uh, Oscar nomination. She's twenty three. I know that's astonishing, <laughs> isn't it? Like, like, the guy from Universal pointed this out to me. The demo, like that's that's amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. also that she's just twenty three because we've been watching her for a decade now. Yeah. And it, it just—it's amazing that's been that's literally happened so quick, but um, yeah, I mean, great performance from Sasha Ronan, great performance from Laurie Metcalf, who you've been championing, I think, as a as the uh, who you think should win. I think either her or Alison Jenny should mm. win, and at this point, I don't really mind. I have that with pretty much all the yeah. like acting nominees, like with Best Actor. If it's Gary Oldman or Dan Lewis, great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With actress, if it's Sally Hawkins or Fancy McDormand, amazing. If it's Def- uh, Willem Dafoe or Sam Rockwell, great. And then yeah, I, have, I have it with this as well. There's like, no clear, obvious sort of uh, preferential candidates, I think, in any of the categories. This year. No, it just it just seems yeah. like with both of them, there's kind of two front runners. Well, what I would say then is, if you were going to judge the performance of, for instance, Laurie Metcalf in this versus uh, Alison Janney in uh, I, Tonya, I would say, for instance, Alison Janey, uh, I think they're, they're exactly as good. I I think Alison Janney's is more showy and this is more introspective. Yeah. And I think that it's it's where those two meet in the middle of your scale, really. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but so it's it's pick a preference on that one. But I think Metcalf is lip quiveringly brilliant in this. She's absolutely terrific. And she has a certain level of deadpan that I think it, it verges on the comedic, but the character is hard to take that away. The character is played with a sort of imbued sense of tragedy for something you know is coming. Mm. It's obviously more of the psychological nature than than you than you expect. But um, I really loved it. I thought Tracy Letts as well. Yeah, uh, I love Fox. Tracy Letts. Yeah, I just listened to him uh, on a podcast and very much enjoyed him. Oh, I'll have to check that out. I, I really yeah. like the guy. He did that uh, film Imperium with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, and he's in... What was that? Is it Christine? Rebecca Hall? Oh, yes, that one, yeah. And he's in The Post as well, which I watched the other week. Was he in The Post? I barely remember him being in The Post. Well, there's so many people that are just in, like... Cameos in The Post. Yeah, or in, like, uh, Second uh, Golden Edge TV. They were in The Post. (laughs) (laughs) Get me everyone from... Breaking Bad from Better Call Saul. Yeah, just, <laughs> so just fetch Valley me, from, fetch, from fetch from me the HBO roster and everyone, please. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Tracy Letts is great. But I think um, the big shout-out needs to go to, I think, Greta Gerwig, uh, just for the screenplay and just, just the general way that this is shot. This mm. is a genuinely interesting film. I think even the parts that feel like other other films of the, of the similar sort of teenage girl genre have done better still work here. And I think it makes... it. I think this stands as the sort of worthy awards crown sister to something like Diary of a Teenage Girl and Edge of Seventeen. I think that's a good little triumphant, and uh, that's it for me. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I just want to watch Edge of Seventeen again. <laughs> I'd rather watch this again. Yeah. Because also with this, 
it feels like it doesn't it doesn't need to just have like a narrative plot line that's constantly going through. I've just remembered speaking of like uh, teenage girl movies and you and me, um, the Duff. Oh, do you remember that time when me and you were teenage girls and yeah, when we were yeah. teenage girls braiding each other's hair and watching the Duff. Yeah, <laughs> uh, summer days. <laughs> After summer camp, we just stopped writing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, the director of the Duff has recently put out that Adam uh, Adam Divine movie. Oh yeah, uh, when we first met, I how, watched. How how is it? I, I I need to tell you at length, and I'll save for the podcast extras if that's okay. Okay, because I, it's it's like a two and a half minute discussion. We don't have the time. Um, so I look forward to it. Shall I chuck out the next two in rapid fire sequence? Then I think that you should. The Mercy, which is the latest from uh, director James Marsh, who brought us the theory of everything. It's Colin Firth on a boat. It's Colin Firth on a boat. So it's all is lost, but all is Firth. Basically, that's <laughs> all is Firth. <laughs> all is Firth. <laughs> and this is uh, the uh, it's this true story of Donald Crowhurst, who was a hobbyist uh, who made uh, he made made like a proto navigation system for boats. But he was a struggling inventor um, who just happened to live on the seafront and be obsessed with you know nautical stuff. Mm. And uh, you know his nautical theme passion being an Afghan and all. Um, <laughs> there's an obscure reference for you. Mm. Anyway, um, I feel terrible for that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um, and he so just, should. <laughs> he finds himself lured in by a competition uh, held by uh, the British media one day to see if uh, anyone can become the first man to sail around the world un- without a break, without mm. stopping anywhere, uninterrupted. Just go for it. And uh, they, they, you know, whoever can do it uh, in one go and do it the quickest gets you know, in, you know international fame and, and yeah. fast reward. Um, the problem it's with that, king. yeah, exactly. He he builds a boat, he gets on, uh, he, he sets off, and. Uh, all is Firth. All is, I need to come up with a clever title. Then All is Firth. Like, Firth could be substituted with first, so... Firth away. No, it doesn't work. Firth away. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so basically, yeah, it's, it's the story of this man struggling at, alone at sea. The only problem is um, it keeps cutting back to the mainland. Right, yeah, and Rachel Vice is obviously there playing, playing his, you know, his, his sort of half terrified, half just grieving wife, <laughs> and uh, she's great. He's great. When they're together early on, it's great. Um, but the problem is, is as soon as he sets off on the boat, the entire script just disintegrates. Like any semblance of why this was an interesting story just goes away, and you can feel that they're basically just kind of just you know shellacking cement onto the holes to just keep it all from uh, keep it all from flooding. Um, it's uh, that was a that was an unintentionally clever uh, analogy. I don't know why I came up with that. Anyway, um, I like the uh, use of the word shellac. Yes, I know. You don't hear it enough. You, no, you really don't. I don't think it applies, actually, that usage. But never mind, never mind. Neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. Um, the problem is, as they're desperately trying to keep this this film together, the story just goes off in completely random, completely unjustified and unexpected directions. There is a point at which a character outwardly condemns an industry that had no, literally nothing to do with it. Mm. And it's this bizarre sense of, what the hell was anyone thinking for, like, the last month of working on this? It's it's a really strange, strange sort of mess, mm. to be honest. But those two performances are good. Very good. Why wouldn't they be? It's Colin Firth and Rachel Vice. So shorten it down, watch 40 minutes of it. Have a good time. Yeah, watch 40 minutes of it. When he sets off, uh, you set off too. Don't set off on this one, though. It's the 1517 to Paris, and it's rubbish. <laughs> okay. Next review. Done. <laughs> That's it. If we could just review, get right reviews like that, would be great. Do you know what? There'll be another Clint Eastwood film to review next year, so why don't you move on? No, exactly. He's, he, he's like the Woody Allen of American Regency thrillers. It's just with less accusations. With less accusations. We don't want to get sued by Clint Eastwood. N- no, Did no, you see that video when he was at like the RNC and he was talking to a chair that time? I'm so glad you brought that up. 
Because I'm going to reference that in a moment. Are you? Yes, I am. Okay, so here's the story. Um, What's that all about? Right, so here's the story. Several years ago, um, on the 1517 train to Paris, an attempted ISIS hijacker broke onto the train mm. with explode with loads of uh, loads of weaponry, automatics, handguns, everything. And where was the train from? Sorry. I think it was from Antwerp. I think. Well, it was going from Amsterdam. It stopped in Antwerp and then went to Paris. So is that the full title then? The 1517 to Amsterdam, Antwerp, and Paris. No, it's yeah, just stopping at. Yeah. yeah. Please change at Luxembourg. Yeah, it's not that at all. Yeah. <laughs> First class passengers sit in front. And- <laughs> okay, you realise, you know, by injecting this bit into the conversation, mm. you've made the story of 1517 to Paris actually justifiably be longer. Which is terrible, because literally, <laughs> a man got on a train, tried to hijack it, and had the crap beaten out of him by three Americans. Oh. That's the story. That's that, not fair. I don't know. It'd be like making a film about when that guy tried to hijack a plane a couple of years ago and then didn't go through with it and people just took some selfies of him or with him. Do you remember? <laughs> Which you know is quite clearly a new line comedy waiting to happen. That's going to happen. Because <laughs> it, it was like an amazing picture of like this... Yeah, this would be like hostage next to him with a big cheesy grin and taking a picture of him. It's going to be Jason Mantzoukas, isn't it? I can just tell. It definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> right, anyway. So, but that's, that's the story here. So Clint Eastwood's trying this weird Paul Greengrass thing. Mm. He's got his gold, oh, yeah. And worst of all, um, he's got the actual guys, the actual Americans who beat the crap out of the hijack, mm. to play the Americans who beat the crap out of the hijack. So they're playing themselves. The dialogue's terrible. They can't act. Clint Eastwood has no idea how to shoot like Paul Greengrass, even mm. though that's what he's desperately trying for. And the whole thing comes across as this sort of weird, stilted, pro, you know, flag waving, pro Republican fever dream. The so- yeah, yeah. The sort of which you would only have if you were the sort of man who turned up to things like the RNC and spoke to chairs. Which he did. Which he actually did. Um, I need to watch that clip again. Oh my God. I mean, the feeling coming out of this press show was one of absolute deflation. This one's about 90 minutes, mm. and it feels so much longer. It feels like one of those three-hour, drawn-out, you know, drain every bead of sweat out of melodrama. As well. I know, yeah. yeah. Um, I was profoundly disappointed. There was a, a feeling going around, this is the worst thing Eastwood has turned out as a director in a long, long time. Since, um, like, Jedgar, maybe. Yeah, possibly that. I mean, that was a misfire, but at least you could see the intent behind the misfire. Yeah. This gets lost in a sort in its own sense of bravado. And if you remember that film, Act of Valor, in which they actually got oh Marines God, to yeah. play Marines, yeah. uh, that genuinely, that looks like a full metal jacket compared to this. Mm. I, I promise you. This is a complete waste of time. You should never, ever indulge it. <laughs> With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. The on-screen radio show. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, do we have some film news tape to take us to the top five? Yeah, I got some serious news that okay. I'm not joking about. Oh, no. Or Joe Quinn about? <laughs> That's awful. You should feel bad. That was I, bad, and you should feel bad. I feel great. <sighs> I feel pretty, oh, so pretty. So, this is the news of. Was this the Martin Scorsese produced? Martin Todd, Scorsese. Yeah, Todd yeah. Phillips directed Joker movie. Joker standalone that's got nothing to do with the DCEU. So. Probably for the best. The Jared Leto. Yeah, just Joker, Which is. That's that's having its own spin-off as well with uh, okay. with Har- with Harley. Uh, okay. So Margot Robbie and Jared Leto are having having that film. There's a lot. There's a lot of this that you know I'm going to have there? to pretend to care about when yeah. it when it arrives. So we've we've got the canon. We've got the the DC EU. Okay. So we've got a canon that doesn't work. Yeah. And then we've got a spin-off. And then we got spin-off from spin-offs yeah. and standalones okay. and. 
This is you, what? Why? Yeah. Why? Because dot 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 money. Yeah, and Batman connections. You know, but dot dot dot. Joe Quinn Phoenix <laughs> might be the Joker, so I'm alright with that. Is actually. it one of those where he's in talks, or is he actually signed? I've read things saying where he's in talks, and he's pretty much signed. Oh, okay. So, we kind of have Bruce with Doctor Strange, and I yeah. I still would have preferred him to Benedict Cumberbatch. I do like Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, but I would have preferred Joaquin. I think Joaquin Phoenix would be a great Joker. It'd be a Joker that we have not seen. I think there is that. I think, the, I think he'd be yeah. better than Javelot. <laughs> I think his performance, I don't question his performance, I think his performance will no doubt be terrific, because it's Joaquin Phoenix. That's it's what he does. Actor, he, yeah. He'd be great at it. I think it's just the shame about the project that it's in. If it was a Martin Scorsese Joker movie, yeah. I'm, I'm down for well, that. Well, in the, in the latest press release, Martin Scorsese has not been mentioned, so he might not even be uh, a producer. Oh, fun. Um, but Todd Phillips, though. Yes. Hey, apparently about was it was it War Dogs? Yeah, I, that was that was all right. I liked War Dogs. I and, watch it on now TV. All and Todd Phillips has made films that we like. Old school, old school. Yeah, yeah. yeah old school. First Hangover is pretty decent. It's, pre- it's pretty decent for, yeah, for what, what it is. is. Yeah, yeah. And I guess you can watch Due Date because we've got a raging hard on for RDJ. Yeah, totally that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, but. <laughs> He loses his powers without the goatee, you know. It's just a whole thing. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. his powers just diminished. That's why that movie isn't that great. Yeah, yeah. Because if you take the goatee off Robert Downey Jr., he's just a man. That's why Chaplin only half works because he's just got little tash. Exactly that. The, the, the little tramp that he is. <laughs> he'd sue us, you know. You know he'd sue us, right? Just, just checking. I'm so happy that I got a little Chaplin reference. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so cool. uh, should we move on to the? Uh, should we move on to the top five for this week then? Because number one is actually going to be a review. Yeah, right. Let's breeze it. Number five. You cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. The darkest old man. Very much so, and apparently a shoo-in for Best Actor this year, which no one seems to want to question at all. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm it's fine. Great. I'm fine. It's I think gonna happen. if we are rewarding actors for. Doing their trademark thing, yeah, which sometimes yeah. we kind of do. Yeah, I go with that. This is what like Gary Oldman yeah. is is the chameleon. Well, this he? is Scorsese so. for The Departed again. I think it has that exact feeling, and uh, I'm good with that. I'm good with it as I'm I was with, with Scorsese for The Departed. Yeah. I don't think the film's great though. I think not, I don't. Yeah, that's that's my biggest beef. Five minutes nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, I, it's not that kind of caliber of film at all. I don't think it's a particularly strong film outside of Gary Oldman's performance, but that performance is powerful, even if it is faintly too on the side of cartoonishness because of the level of prosthetic effects. Mm. Oh, no, he's no Doug Jones, you know, and that's no. just how it works. No, he's not. But, uh, but I quite like it. Is there a tweet uh, from anyone on it? Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, at uh, Maricel uh, Juanita. Uh-huh. Great names. Uh, Darkest Hour is so great, exclamation mark. I hardly recognise Gary Oldman. He deserves to be best actor. That's- not just at the Oscars, just of all time. Just he is, in life. He is best actor. He is best actor? Fair. Yeah. Uh, love the long shots and the use of uh, lighting. I thought you put lightning. There lightning? Was no, there was no lightning. There was no lightning. There should have been more. That would have made that film much more impressive. Uh, use of lightning, uh, set the mood. Go watch it. Hashtag Darkest Hour. Number four. Early Man. Which I really like. Did you get to see Early Man in the end? No, I'm still hoping to see it. I might go watch like an early mm. like, weekend. It's, it's no job. Pirates and Adventure with Scientists. Then again, that film is amazing. That film's brilliant. I mean, what is Pirates and Adventure with Scientists? I think that Scientists? film is like... Sorely underseen. It clearly is. I need to watch yeah. that again. Actually, um, also, it's oh. not. Uh, it's not quite on the blockbuster level of something like Chicken Run. That sort of mainstream level of Chicken Run. It feels like a lot more of a niche British sports underdog comedy. It does feel like Up and Under, yeah. animated by Ardman. It feels like that exact movie, but with a sort but of that's a fun, though, twist. It? it is a lot of fun, and I did have fun with it. I laughed a lot more than I expected to. Yeah. It's a lot more football centric than you think, but the jokes it uses 
of the sport are kind of universal, kind of broad and more, have more universal accessibility. Um, I think someone's tweeted into... Someone to, has. Have, do they love um, it? They do. Oh, good. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> at uh, God Save Loki. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Probably don't watch Infinity War Part 1, then. Yeah, no, I won't. Oh, no, no, uh, Took the tribe to see uh, Hashtag Early Man. Absolutely brilliant movie. The kids, big and small, loved it. 10 out of 10. Heart Mojcon. Two thumbs doing that, like Paul McCartney. Hashtag Eddie Redmayne. Hashtag Tom Middleton. Hashtag Maisie Williams. Fair. Number three. Remember me. Have to say goodbye, remember me. Oh, Benjamin Bratt. I know. You, you 90s hunk. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, if you look up Latino, se- Latino sex symbol in the dictionary, you just get Benjamin Bratt. Yeah. And but, him and uh, Sandra Bullock did, did date. They did. I mean, they, 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 in, they were there. They appeared in two films together. There was The Demolition Man and... Uh, uh, well, three, technically. Is, is he in the second Miss Congeniality? He's not in the second one, oh, no. Oh, is he not? No, he doesn't appear in the second Miss Congeniality. He's so that's of, why it's not as yeah. good. That's why it's not as good, see? Yeah, that's you it always is. need yeah. Benjamin Bratt. Uh, so, on the subject of Benjamin Bratt in Coco... Um, yeah, that's what the film's called. That's what the film's called. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. You're a big fan of it. Um, yeah, I want to say it again. Lot, as oh, do I. And good. hearing that bit of music there, you just This has like, been a good oof. year so far. It has. It's been a very good it's been, year. It's been a very good year, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. When I was 17, it was a very good year. Because <laughs> Pixar were releasing... What were they releasing when I was 17? Probably Monsters, Inc.? No. How old was... What, what? Bugs Life. When I was 17, Bugs Life, When I was probably. 17, might have been Ratatouille? Hey. Somewhere around that. Okay, we're meandering. Someone's tweeted us. Do they love it? At Queen Fahey. Okay, Fahey. Um, yes, uh, I, I just watched uh, Hashtag Coco Movie, and I went through so many lovely emotions. None of us bad emotions. Just the lovely ones. A real good story. But then... Upside upside down face. <laughs> upside down sad face. Some people are indecisive. Number two. Has your lovely wife been to see The Greatest Showman yet? Yeah, well, we've had this, we we've had this had discussion. discussion. I apologise. Me, me and Cassie saw it, saw it together, and um, the screen was quite full, but it was full of, like... Oh, like people si- who, yeah, fans. Yes, like yeah. 16 to 18-year-old teenage girls, but had seen it before and were singing along to You told us two weeks ago, and now is, I feel so bad for which forgetting. Which is, is, is lovely. Great, great as Jackman. I'm a big fan of it, and yeah. it does. It seems to continue well at the box office. It was number one last week, while we were off, by the way. As was the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. It had a big week last week, and then it's this week it's, it's back to... It's definitely got some likes. Um, yeah, my opinion has not changed on it. I do like it. I'll watch it when it's on Netflix at mm-hmm. Christmas with, like, the family and my niece and whatnot, and I'm sure we'll have a great time, and I'm going to make my niece, like, a, like a fake beard that no, she can no, wear. That's, that sounds like it's had the desired effect, then. That'd be really cool. Um, but, yeah, I also... I, I needed someone to die. <laughs> that's what I keep saying. <laughs> Which is just what you should say when I ask for a tweet. <laughs> Sorry, <it's personal. laughs> Um, at uh, underscore uh, Steph Hackett says finally got around to watching hashtag greatest showman and it lived up to the hype just great and then the okay emojicon symbol number one Fifty Shades, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's something by, uh... <laughs> The best whips often do, Case. The best whips <laughs> often do. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's a tagline that's been missing. Oh, Actually, wow. like, I've, I've not seen any of these films, but I can tell you about, like, the tagline for this one. I was like... Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what you do. That, that's exactly what you would put. Um, actually, that's kind of a problem with Fifty Shades. So let's do an actual like two minute quick review of this. This is the third and final instalment of this series now, because obviously this was released the week we're off, so we might as well actually do it with a clip. Is, um, is there another book from his perspective? There's though? two. She seems to be rewriting the entire trilogy from his perspective, and she's on the second one of those now. Why? Because money and limited talent. Anyway, um, we're going to get to her. 
Don't worry, we're going to get to E.L. James, because I'm going to have my little Lewis Black moment with E.L. James. Oh, E.L. James and I are going to have our moment. Your little Lewis Black moment, we're going to attack her and then uh, do some inside-out stuff. Yeah, okay. Well done, Brackley, you've ruined pizza. Like <laughs> San Francisco. Okay, so, back to Fifty Shades of Grey. Third and final one of these. Uh, the central couple are now married. They get married at the beginning of this film, because he posed at the end of the last one. Oh, Spoiler alert. Oh, I know. Um, he is depicted as this sort of Batman-like figure when in reality he works in a boardroom all day and practices BDSM uh, by the look of it about once every eight, eight or nine days um, in a special room of his luxuriant apartment, which is strangely petite for a billionaire. But anyway... Um, Right, no sooner are they married than she struggles to find her place within his life as his wife, how that works. Uh, the subject of potential future comes up with, for instance, children, um, how he wants to go about their uh, domestic side of their lives, how she can deal with the staff, things like that. That all comes up. Also, there's a psycho killer on the loose who's out for revenge. We don't know why. He's just there. And um, there's a car chase or two. Here's a clip for asking for kids. You do want to have kids someday, right? Someday, Sure. You don't really sound sure. You know what I am sure about? Mm. That's great steak. Christian. Do you not want to have kids? Of course. One day, just not now. I'm not ready to share you with anyone. That's a sort of motif that keeps appearing throughout this movie because, um, do you know what? I'm just going to get the E.L. James stuff out of the way. Um, to preface this would be to say the first one, of the, actually this whole film series actually almost directly mirrors Twilight. But well, the, it's, it's Twilight fan fiction, isn't it? Well, that's it. That's and that's, that's the irony in it, that because of this all began irony. as... Yeah, because this all began as Twilight fan fiction, it's weird that the films in their, in their actual cinematic form, as a franchise, do resemble, in many ways, the Twilight series. Mm. And by that I mean the first instalment had, you know, an actual filmmaker on there and an actual writer, and there was an attempt to craft something, you know, of its own, something of actual worth out of it. Well, the director of this has done some decent stuff in the past. Oh, this ain't yeah. one of them, sir. And, and neither was the last. He directed the second as well. Yeah, we did uh, uh, Glengarry Glen Ross. He did, yes, but... Come on. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not... I had to look into this. I'm not alone in saying it. I don't feel bad about doing it. Right. The problem is... After that first instalment, um, what we now have is a, a, a just an endless series of declining quality. And in the case of Twilight, where at least they had several films to work it off, this has only had two. And the decline in that quality is where the, the dividing line forms between this and Twilight, which is only this franchise of the two can say that their creator is to blame for it all. Um, you've got a screenwriter who, you know, surprise, surprise, is E.L. James's husband. You've got E.L. James apparently having directorial veto powers, and that's why they've got uh, James Foley there. James Foley genuinely cannot be asked in this film. And I mean, he's he is asleep at the wheel. Well, at least it just appears that way. I mean, at several points, I'm convinced the camera operator is asleep and the camera's just drifting unnecessarily. He's getting that paycheck, bro. He's get, he getting that paper, yo, but it ain't for any worth. All about that paper, boy. The problem is, this takes itself far too seriously to even properly gain any fun from the sort of sleazy, erotic thriller. I so mean, who is... Um, sorry to interrupt. Uh, um, who is uh, Jack Hyde? Jack he's, Hyde. Is he the, the like... He's the, the stalker villain, man. Villain, he's villain, the evil villain stalker man. You remember he played that paperweight in the first season of Smallville? Right. Um, yeah. yeah, you remember Whitney, Whitney Ford, I think his name was? Anyway, um, yeah. right, he's rubbishing this. She's rubbishing this. She's really trying, but she can't manage much more than a faint whisper. I don't think I've liked her in anything else of... Scene. I haven't either. Um, and Jamie Dornan. I, I hear Jamie Dornan can be good in things. 
Well, here's the funny thing. He's playing Batman. Right. I promise you, he's showed up to work every day on this playing Batman. What's with Batman? He, that's that's what he's playing the character as. His mm. his, his character is Batman. I must I must go somewhere. The city needs me. You know, it's it's, it's that kind of nonsense. Only it's, it's played for that sort of schlock, square jawed seventies fashion. But anyway, um, the film's terrible. It doesn't even depict its subject matter particularly well. It is poorly written to the point of actually having a gun serve as a Chekhov's gun. Did she I write mean, it on a BlackBerry? The first one or something? That's what uh, I heard. I mean, she wrote it on the back of a cocktail napkin. It wouldn't terribly surprise me. Yeah, um, <laughs> because the only way you could possibly enjoy this is if you were ooh, a fifth of a Tron deep. I don't know. Classy board. I know, but it's it's really bad. It's uh, it's a film where the fans, anyone who's a fan of the last one, is going to l- you know love this. I'm sure because they're already immunized to this level of sort of creative vacuum. Um, I was not one of those. I'm sorry. I just I, I kept having visions of James Spader sat in a darkened room somewhere crying at the state of the erotic thriller genre, and um, and and thinking, you know what? Maybe Mickey Rourke's better off away from this all. You know, we we have that to be grateful for. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back, and yes, we, f- we tend to forget that Mickey Rourke kind of got his big start in sort of 80s erotic thrillers, don't we? Yes, and nine, nine and a half weeks. Half weeks. And, was it Wild yeah. Orchid he was in as well? I was a big fan of Wild Orchid. Yeah, but, uh, and then he was in Angel Heart. Was <gasps> oh, it? yeah. Oh, was he in Angel Heart before? I'm not sure. I think that was after. I think that was when he started to actually do serious films. Anyway, we're, we're meandering. Yeah. I never want to see Robert De Niro uh, eat an egg. Never. <laughs> never again. I don't want to see Daniel Day-Lewis eat breakfast. So, you know, we're, we're good on that level. I want to hear him talk about breakfast. Yes, forever. Like, endlessly. <laughs> and, and scones. And scones. And yeah. sausages. This is why you must see Phantom Thread, because that moment see, is See, but instead just... of Fifty Shades, whatever Yeah, it's that Fifty Shades free. If you want to do the spread, then just go and catch uh, Phantom Thread. Yeah, if you can find a cinema about a showing it. Well... Yeah, I don't know, because the next film that we've got to review, which should we just leap to that review, by the way, for time reasons. Leap like leap. a panther. Leap like a panther, yep, of course, and that's why cinemas might be packed out right. for the physical features. This is out now. Spoiler, I loved it so much. Okay, spoiler, I, I also... I can't, I can't contain myself, but let's... I, uh, I, too, was a fan of that particular beverage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Boo! <laughs> um, so, Black Panther, then, which is... Is this the 18th Marvel movie, or the 17th? The 18th. This is the 18th. Yeah. Uh, Infinity War was 19... And Man of Wasp 20. So it took 17 films to get there, and guess what? We finally got the first, aimed at a primarily black audience, depiction of Wakanda on a cinema screen. And do you know what? The wait was so long that it's frankly mystifying that Ryan Coogler and everybody else involved in this lost absolutely none of their drive or momentum on the way getting there, because Mm. goddamn, what a film. When was Ryan Coogler attached to this originally? Uh, Was it 2014? Well, that's when... 2014 or early 2015, thereabouts. That is when uh, he was. That's when Jadwick Boseman was announced. 2014, wasn't it? Yes, yes, he was announced. Because they were prepping to do Civil War. Yeah. Um, so here we have um, the story of, of T'Challa, the, uh, the the newly designated king of the kingdom of Wakanda. Um, obviously, his father was killed in Captain America's Civil War. He adopted the mantle of the king. Uh, sorry, the mantle of the Black Panther, which is a, uh, a spiritually superpowered sort of jungle cat warrior figure. Yeah, protector of Wakanda. Of Wakanda, which is also sort of the double duty that the king pulls. I really like that touch, by the way. That is a really... I like that, that yeah. That is a cool idea. You're, you're king, you also need to be... Yeah, you're also the yeah, king, you're also the protector, yeah. you know. Um, so the whole idea is he's returning to accept the crown. He's returning from the events of Civil War hmm. to... I mean, this seems to take place straight afterwards. And, uh, you know, he stops along the way to uh, break up uh, a human smuggling ring yeah. and uh, rescue his ex-girlfriend because he really wants her there for the ceremony because, you know, still can't... Still can't 
carrying that torch? Because it's Blue Peter Nyong'o. Because it's Blue Peter Nyong'o, and she's really good she's at this. She's amazing. She, do you know what? Just take it as real. Everybody's great in this, because we're, we're going to say it a lot. Okay, um, returns. No sooner has he become king than there is a usurper to the throne, sir. Usurper! And he might just be the best villain Marvel has ever seen. Here is the Black Panther arriving back in Wakanda for the first time. With, with his ex, certainly. Queen Mother, Princess, my comfort for your loss. Thank you, Nakia. It is so good to have you back with us. Take her to the river province to prepare her for the ceremony. Yes, General. Did he freeze? I can interlope in headlights. <laughs> Are you finished? Chadwick Boseman there with his signature line. And to tell you something, you know the, the moment he's introduced in this film is the whole, uh, is that gag moment of uh, don't freeze, I never, I never freeze. freeze. Yeah. And nobody in history with a camera pointed at them has ever sounded so cool delivering a line yeah. of dialogue as Chadwick Boseman does with I never freeze. Like, that man is a star. He really is. Like, this I, is yeah. when when I saw the James Brown film. When I saw when I saw Get On Up. Get on, I love Get On Up so much. I think that was that might have been the first time I saw him because I didn't see Forty Two, which was, was his other big. I knew him through Forty Two. I think about a year earlier. But. Yeah. Well, those were like these two big ones that essentially mm. got in this role. And I, and I, I, I watched him in Marshall yesterday. Yes, you did. You t- yeah. told me, yeah. Which he's really good in. He's well. fantastic. He seems to have mastered um, this, this this way of becoming a figure who is at once both a complete part of the world in which you know he's, he's depicted, mm. but also being this sort of standout heroic alpha figure, which is you know in a, in a very uh, very in unnatural sense. Yeah. But it just works, and he goes so with well, it. Yeah. Um, and it's says a lot actually that you can that there is this prolonged sequences of black panther that don't really even feature uh chadwick boseman or t'challa and yet you're never bored the film is terrific it's sharply written it's very on the nose about taking what ordinarily would be its subtext and just making it be its outright forward-facing plot yeah um i don't know if i love this description but people are saying that this is uh mcu's woke film well, I, could, I can absolutely a, believe that. That's the thing people say now, and, but I, yeah. I get on board with it. Yeah. Oh, I've heard so lit. Actually, so lit. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll, I'll lit and woke the same thing. I don't know. Are they? I think. Somewhere. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask at the well, next meeting. Been, like, oh, no. it's aware. It's when you. It's when your third eye <laughs> is open. I think so. Yeah. But um, no, I, it, it is very, very sensitive, very aware. It of, is. On the subject yeah, of its of, of its diversity of its um, of its playing to an undercated for audience and actually dealing with topical issues, though, here's one that I think has gotten less attention than I would have actually been expected of it. And I think Black Panther is actually far more of a feminist vehicle at times than yeah. it is necessarily an African American vehicle. Mm. And it's very strange I, to I me. I think it serves that's, both. Very yeah, well. it does, doesn't it? Yeah. But it's a great depiction of African-American representation. It really makes a statement about it. It really says something. And at the same time, though, it goes and does more for the ladies than Wonder Woman did, which I thought was really something. Also, Hmm. the actresses they've got, they absolutely steal the show. I mean, everybody and every scene they have, every time someone is the focus of a scene, you sit there and think, they're going to steal this movie. And then the next scene, it's someone else. I think that's why the ensemble works so well, because in the script, they've got it. So no one is just a bit player. This thing's balanced like a yeah. Hanzo sword. <laughs> so Sterling K. Brown is in it. He's in it for a little bit. 
Absolutely fantastic, though, isn't he? Just yeah. M- Amazing. Minute, yeah. And it's it's such a, like, a vital and pivotal role. Yeah. And I, I thought it was going to be essentially like uh, a cameo. I thought that as well. Um, uh, Forrest Whitaker as well, I thought. Same thing. Yeah, like, very thing. small role, but actually a lot of gravitas, a lot of, yeah. lot of heft to it. And it's connected to like the wider story. Yeah, it's, there's there's a lot of that going on. Angela Bassett, you, wouldn't, you would think, is a relatively disposable character, but actually She's amazing. does get her moment yeah. to be, oh, wow, okay, she's owning this now. This is interesting. Yeah. And the th- uh, Letitia Wright. Oh. Uh, she might be what? a new... She, she is, isn't she? Star, She's yeah. the new... Oh, absolutely. She is the new go-to tech character in this series. Yeah. The wise cracky. She is a better guy in a chair than Ned was. <laughs> you know, and, and we love Ned Leeds. Yeah, we're, we're big fans of Ned Leeds. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Tashuri. Tashuri? Or Shuri? Shuri. Shuri, isn't it? Oh, he's T'Challa. She's Shuri. That's right. Yeah, and then Forrest Whitaker is Zuri. Oh, wow. I, did you know what the best part is? By the end of this movie, I came out and I just thought, every one of those names now feels completely natural to me. I can't wait to see more of these characters. Yeah, I keep forgetting I want, I want what... Shuri in uh, Avengers next. I want, you know... I, well, Shuri is going to be in Avengers next. Fantastic. And then, um, uh, I keep forgetting her name. Uh, Denai... Oh, Okoye. Okoye? Okoye, yeah. yeah. Who is incredible. Like, oh. maybe... Maybe my favourite character in this. Right, she, one, she's, one she's an absolute scene stealer. I have a theory on uh, Danny Guerrero's character, actually, which is I think she's the closest any of these Marvel movies have come so far to replicating the Melinda May character from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, the uh, oh, right. Wen's character. Yeah. The closest they've come to finding a sort of parable for that. I know they would like Black Widow to do it, but I think they've weirdly humanised that character. Yes. They've softened her too much. Yeah. Uh, Danny Guerrero, absolutely terrific. I love Peter Youngo as well. Yeah. Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. so much oh my god, you can see my skin! Yeah. <laughs> I made it rain. <laughs> look, look, this is what I look like as a person, yeah. and I'm enjoying it. Um, Martin Freeman, I think, gets the straight man role, really, I think, in there. Yeah, and he's really, really good. Of course, it? he's and, good at yeah. that. He's basically doing that Arthur Dent thing, isn't he? He's yeah. just along for the ride. Yeah, uh, so it's kind of like connect it and everything. Yeah, yeah, he's your connective tissue. Yeah, he's your cartilage. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, you know, we've got to talk about the one, the only Mr. Michael B. Jordan, who yeah. just becomes the Marvel Universe's best villain to date. He absolutely undermines yeah. the notion of there ever having been a Marvel villain problem. Um, yeah. He's the most layered creation they have ever come up with. He's so good, you even manage to overlook the fact that you're watching a guy named Killmonger. Yeah. Which, wow. Well, they play that in a good way. They do, In, in, in the yeah. comics, that, that is his name. It's Eric mm. Killmonger, but the way like that they do it. Yeah. isn't it? Like a nickname, but, uh, yeah. but he's so good in it. And the, the story <sighs> is pacey. The story is punchy um when it, it's one of those films that actually is not as action heavy as you would think there might only be three action sequences in there's the three really big action mm. sequences but they don't feel world defying but some of the fight scenes uh, like peppered around. yeah yeah it doesn't feel world changing the way in, in, in terms of the scale in that way that uh, sort of an avengers movie does but it's not meant to it's a bit like ant-man yeah that yes capacity, yeah. yeah i like the smaller scale of the set pieces to this yeah. i think that really works and there i mean this genuinely, in a year that's seen uh, already already seen uh, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, was that like five months ago now? Round about yeah. It, just this depiction of a futuristic world, I think, is absolutely stunning. I really love it. Yeah. Brilliant set design. Is it? Uh, what's the name? Did the cinematography on this? Uh, Rachel Morrison. Rachel Morrison. Who did uh, Mudbound. Yes. Become the first female uh, cinematography nominee. Like, that's the thing. I think, oh, the timing, looks timing was good. It's a gorgeous yeah. looking film. Gorgeous. It sounds incredible. It does. Yeah, so, right, let's talk about the music as well, and then we should wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, we should. Um, so, the score, first of all, mm-hmm. is Ludwig... Gorenson? I believe I so. Say. Apparently, there's a lot of he apparently spent a lot of uh, research time in South Africa for this. Yeah, I read that he spent uh, a month 
in South Africa with some <laughs> South African musicians just touring around. That's brilliant. Um, but he's he's worked on, I think he worked on Fruitvale Station. He definitely worked on Creed. Yeah, he's a frequent collaborator. And a lot of them are. He's done stuff with, like, Donald Glover, Velvet Childish Gambino stuff. Yes. And yeah. it just is incredible. Um, and then Kendrick Lamar was... Basically oh, supervisor, oh, isn't he? Yeah, the soundtrack on this. Supervisor. And it's amazing. It, it has a very distinct sound. Is this, is this the first time where, where we've got like a proper Marvel soundtrack song? I mean, we had the Soundgarden song for Avengers, didn't we? Yeah, there was an official album tied to Iron Man 3. It was called Heroes Fall. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, because it's got a spectacular piece of artwork as its cover, mm. um, which I've never really seen elsewhere. Anyway, um, I just remember that piece of music from the credits from Iron Man 3. It's... Oh, yes. Can, uh, can, can you, you dig, dig it? it? Yeah. Can you dig it? By... Uh, Brian Tyler, how was yes, it? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, my my intro the, music. All, the, all the stars from this. Oh, God, yeah. Oh. That's absolutely just... I, I, the takeaway from this as well, musically, is that song, which is a fantastic way to end this. And also, um, I've had it basically on the loop for weeks. Yeah. I think it's a terrific soundtrack, terrific film. I think everything about it works. I think Ryan Coogler shows genuine auteur-grade auteur uh, quality here. This is a distinct vision. It's something that really works. It's very, very timely. And um, I, I wish it all the, all the success in the world. I think it's an absolutely terrific movie. He's going to make all the money. I'm really glad about it so i mean it's, it's projected to be like easily like the highest like mcu debut so they're saying domestic from america yeah that is we it, can is that the one, one six, it's 170 they're expecting 160 or 170 oh, i God. think i think that might even be conservative i i think it might this is huge because it it's, it's, it's broken like fandango sales and if you've never if you've not seen it yet absolutely race out and see black panther it is absolutely terrific genuinely it's so much fun it's so much adventure it's you're just gonna mm. have a ball with it and you're gonna just hold chadwick boseman forever as being your little movie star out of this because he's uh, this is absolutely a star making uh, project for him yeah. but uh, so i mean he's not on he, brian coogler's not directing creed 2 so that's a shame no i think he's gonna be an exec producer on it ah oh, fair enough but um him and uh, michael jordan are doing a film called wrong answer as the next project together Excellent. it sounds it sounds more like a straight drama but i'll i'll watch anything i'll watch anything that's yeah, and this is this should definitely be on that list as yeah. well. So, film of the week. I don't know. I mean, it's got to be. I'm, I'm going with Black Panther just because it's left me with this insatiable hunger to see Black Panther again. Um, Shape of Water, though, is. I'm going to go with uh, Shape of Black Ladybird. Shape of Black Ladybird. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> Shape of Black Ladybird. It is. Um, I'm, Shape of I'm, Black Lady Panther. Yeah, that's it, Lady Panther. <laughs> Because I, I honestly can't choose. No, the three absolutely terrific films. It is such a good week for films. Just go, go to the cinema on Friday. Just, and yeah, just go see time. him. Skip Fifty Shades, Fifteen Seventeen Paris, and The Mercy. But yeah, just see the other three. They're honestly amazing. Uh, meanwhile, so next week we've got uh, we've got stuff to cover. Yeah, probably uh, won't be as good, but we've got some. It won't be as stuff. amazing. Yeah, I mean we hope it is. We've been spoiled. Yeah, I mean I hope every week's amazing as this week. Yeah, but I am not an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next week, though, we can miss Janie's back. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm Margot Robbie. Oh, I'm Margot Robbie. We don't, we don't, yeah. We're not such Robbie. big fans of her, but I, Tonya, is next week. Yeah. Uh, which I'm really looking forward to we've, reviewing. We've both seen. We've both seen. Oh, okay, brilliant. Uh, we've got Dark River, the Ruth Wilson movie. That's next oh, week. Oh, man, yeah. I know, remember Ruth Wilson? She seems to have disappeared for a while. I need Lufa back. I do as well. Uh, next week, we've also got the long-delayed British release of Birth of the Dragon next week. All right. The Bruce Lee biopic. We've got uh, the Brit comedy Finding Your Feet. 
Which is, yeah. <laughs> the all-star cast of uh, yes. the Elder Crowd. Oh, and, like, and me as well. Like, it's like Celia Imri and I'll, I'll go watch and... Tim Spall and Imelda Staunton and pretty much anything. Uh, that's true, that's very yeah. true. And we've got The Ice King, which is a documentary about figure skating. Oh. So we've got all those to come and more next week off-screen. In the meanwhile, this has been the Candy Store Picture for on-screen. I've been Van Connor. And I have been Black Panther, but not really, because I'm actually Case Allen. We'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. So Quincy Jones is mental. I love him for it. So do I. Oh, God. So you've had the interview. And I think I've I've just I've read the highlights. Have oh, you read the trunk Because I, oh. I, I, I didn't know about the Alexander Desplat is my brother. <laughs> oh, God. Right. So it was, it was a it was a it was a long form interview for uh, Vulture, uh, Vulture dot com, and uh, it was it was really something he did not hold back, and he just spilled the beans on anything and everything you you could mention to him. There was a great game on Twitter for a couple of days after. I don't know if you've seen this, in which you would, you would basically write your own script for asking Quincy Jones a question, and the interviewer asked him about you know a seemingly innocuous random question, and he will then come out with a hilariously inappropriate answer. Um, and that's basically what actually happened. Quincy Jones just went off on, on a tear about... Everyone he ever knew. Everyone. Right, so my favourite one, my favourite takeaway from this was the story of Marlon Brando. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, the story, which I don't really the most shocking story in the world, because it's Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando, evidently the height of his fame, was just a booze-powered cooze hound, for lack of a better term. And he, um, anyone and anything... He, he just tried to get into bed. And this apparently went as far as Richard Pryor. Um, and Quincy Jones makes no subtlety about it. He just says, oh, yeah, Brando and Pryor hooked up. Like, oh, okay, that's awesome. Brando and Pryor? Do, can you even imagine the pillow talk? Like, what must that what? have been yeah. like? Like, just, oh, man. Just please tell me someone was wiretapping that room. Yeah. <laughs> But apparently, uh, the late Richard Pryor's daughter is um, less than happy to hear this story. She's denying it. Mm-hmm. I think maybe his son is as well. That's what I've heard. Isn't his ex-wife pretty much on the? Yeah, totally. That happened. Yes. Train, yeah. which is kind of weird. But uh, like, why would you? Oh, because she like, she said something like it was the seventies. We had good drugs. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, to which I think that probably is actually the explanation given. Yeah. Given. Given. And then she said like you'd have <clears throat> sex with a radiator. And, like, she did say that. Yeah. But, uh, no, so the kids are denying it, and I can't help but wonder, like, I think his daughter's missing the obvious uh, sort of, you know, cool factor here, which is, if it were you or I, our reaction would probably be along the lines of, oh, my God, our dad plowed Brando? That's awesome! (laughs) (laughs) Pretty amazing. (laughs) That's that's astonishing. I don't care who your dad is. If your dad plowed Brando, would you know. Would you plow Brando, or would you be... Would you be ploughed by Brando? Uh, do you know what? Brando liked to own a room. Would you, would you be a imagine. contender? Would you? Oh, well, let's, as is not to judge. Anyway, um, so that was that was my favourite part of that interview. There were also stories about Michael Jackson that uh, were uh, eyebrow-raising. Um, yeah, he said that Michael Jackson stole a lot of... Material. Loads of yeah. material, loads of music. And uh, said that the Beatles... bought the rights later. Yeah. <laughs> said that uh, the Beatles were the worst musicians in the world. He liked Cream, though, didn't he? Like, well, he was a big on, fan of Queen. Clapton. Yeah. He was a big fan of Clapton. So, uh, Nobody yeah. knows Clapton. No, Unless you're the two other people from Cream. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> yeah, but yes, um, it was a very, very. He also attacks uh, Taylor Swift for writing hooks, not songs. Yes, he does. And he took down the entire music industry with a couple of comments like, "Oh, there's yeah. no lyrics anymore. There's no lyrics. There's no, there's no songs. Yeah, there's no songs. There's just a tune." Yeah. Um, he goes after Donald Trump, obviously, and claims that he dated Ivanka Trump. He does, which is he? incredible. <laughs> yeah. Very, very, on, very, just out there interview. I absolutely loved it. If you've not read this interview, go on Vulture.com and find their interview with Quincy Jones. It's so, such a ride, this interview. Yeah. Oh, he goes after Ever Clinton's as well. So, like, I like how he's not being biased. He's, he's not. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. He just, just take everyone down. He just, he just, oh, yeah. you know, he, he knows who killed Kennedy. Oh, he does, yes. And he outlines that theory for you as well. He actually yeah. lays it yeah. out there. One of the, sorry, uh, one, one of the questions, uh, what's something you wish you didn't know? Who killed Kennedy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was some Chicago uh, mobster. Is it Sam Gian- uh, Giancana? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's actually quite a widely held theory, actually. Like, yeah, that, says, that's uh, actually the theory that Red Dwarf went with. Uh, it is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> um, uh, the connection was there between Sinatra and the Mafia and oh, Kennedy. Um, he was a bad man. He came to Frank uh, to have him talk to uh, to Giacana about getting votes. Just... Oh, it was it was a ride. It really was. That that interview was just. I, 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 cu- I couldn't put it down once I picked it up. That was just an astonishing just tirade, for lack of a better term. What do you think when you first did rock music? Rocket, nothing but a white version of Rhythm and Blues. Uh, <laughs> MFA. You know, I met Paul McCartney when he was twenty-one. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he really hated the Beatles. I'm shocked by that. Yeah, he, he goes oh. he goes off. I love this. Oh, and it, it's a bonkers. Oh no, bonkers. He, sa- he says I used to like Clapton's band. Oh yes, he does, doesn't he? Interesting that. But uh, no, evidently not anymore. <clears throat> so we, uh, by the way, should we uh, have a quick skim through everything we've left in the news this week? <laughs> yeah. Uh, As I carry on reading this, Quincy oh, Jones. We could, read, we could read Quincy Jones forever, no. couldn't we? Um, Five Nights at Freddy's, that video game. Yeah, yeah, the, like the Chuck E. Cheese the kind kids, of restaurant. The kids are loving it. Oh yeah, well, yeah. it's like a Chuck E. Cheese restaurant, but the animatronic toys come to life at night, and they're evil. Yes, um, that's a video game series uh, that's quite popular. It looks quite interesting. I'll yeah. play it one day. See, I, I never knew what it was a video game series. It's because we now know it as being on so many T-shirts and pop figures and things. Yes, yeah. it, it's, it's I saw it on pop over. figures, and I was like, I don't know mm. where that's come from. Well, the film adaptation will be written, directed, and produced by none other than Chris Columbus. Yeah, so that makes sense. Home Alone. Yeah. Okay, we've gone from Home Alone yeah. to... Uh, Percy Jackson. Yep. And two Harry Potter films. And what Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, Stepmom. Gremlins. Didn't he? <laughs> yes, he did, he did the first Gremlins, didn't he? I'm sure is he did. Is that not Joe No, isn't it? I don't know. Did he work on Gremlins? I, I don't know why I have Chris, uh, uh, Chris Columbus and Gremlins in my head. Um, anyway. I, I have as well, but I don't know why. We'll find out, we'll find out. Uh, In what might be the most surprising news to hit the entire film world this last week, uh, Den of Thieves is getting a sequel. Bring it. Uh, That's going to be set and filmed in Europe. Because that's where you're doing a sequel. Yep. That's what you do. Yeah, you go to Europe, yeah. Yeah. To be fair, the end of that film does set it up to to kind of go that way. It does, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gerard Butler will be back. I'll be honest, I I really didn't mind it. Yeah. I think it is 45 minutes. Too long. Far too long. Oh, it is far, far too long, isn't it? If it was an hour and a half... I think that length suggests a taking yourself seriously yeah. level that this film doesn't need, though. Yes. And I think it could have stood to be a little bit more Gerard Butler-y. I think you know so. What I, mean. I think yeah. what it does as well, it, it kind of wants to go personal with, like, mm. the mobsters and yeah. cops, like, families and stuff. But he doesn't lean into that 
enough. Like, I, I feel like either either do that and, and go for it, mm. go into, like, old family stuff, or just leave it out. And I exactly. think it would be better if they just didn't do it. I think they should have just gone... I think the goofiest it should have been is, like, they should have made this Jared Butler's version of The Shield as a movie. Yes. And I'd have watched like the hell out of that and loved it. I like Pablo Schreiber in it, though. I think well, he was... Yeah, he, he's not, obviously, not going to be coming back uh, for the... But they do say that 50 Cent is. But 50 Cent's on as a producer. He's not mentioned as a star. Oh, is that? Oh, no, he's on so as a producer, as is Jared Butler. Yeah. Uh, Jared Butler and O'Shea Jackson Jr. are the only two names mentioned as coming back, other than the director. Okay. So, who was also the former writer of London Has Fallen. Please, it, Levin, Nettles, Levin, never like, let us forget that. It looked like it was made for, like, peanuts anyway, so <laughs> did. might as well. Oh, it was like a, like a $15, 20000000 million action, I think, something like that. Yeah, and I think it's made... It's made like sixty million so Something far. Like that, yeah. So why not? It's not a huge hit, but it's a decent sized one. It's a for decent its budget. It's a decent enough to make another one. Uh, Call of Duty is going to be adapted as a movie. We knew this day was going to come. Well, of course it was. Uh, well, I'll, I'll go see it when you know the Tom Clancy <laughs> Ghost Recon film Ghost Recon down. Rainbow Six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Paul King, who directed uh, Paddington, yeah. talks to make the Willy Wonka film. I heard this. Yeah. Which is cool. That's very interesting. I'm, I'm intrigued. Is there a franchise there? I wonder. Possibly. Yeah. I would. I would laugh myself senseless if they turned no, it would, into a I shared would, Roald Dahl universe. I would rather instead of just do that. I, I think we should just do the next book because we've only ever done. They've never Factory. done. Yeah. They've never done Glass Elevator. No, they haven't. And Which I really I like that book. Yeah. yeah. But uh, oh, it's nice. I to, think it's nice good. to know someone else likes that book yeah. as much as me. Uh, yeah. See, all we, these years we're still discovering things. We, that one we both both had childhoods. Yeah, um, yeah. I would like uh, Simon Farnaby to, to help him with whatever. Oh God, yeah. yeah. It needs that. It needs that level of sort of innate knowing silliness. That bit in Paddington Two when he is chatting up Hugh Grant as a nun. Oh, I was God. I was like crying. <laughs> <laughs> and he like shouts after and he's like, Oi I watched over it might have been Christmas Day or Boxing Day, uh, Bill was on BBC Two. Oh, I still need to watch that. You know the Horrible Histories Shakespeare, Shakespeare movie. Yeah. And I watched it and I had a really good time with it. Again, I that's yeah. the second time I've seen it. it. It's really underrated. They're really great, all those about whole gang. Well that's all that the whole film. It's got a very men in tights kind of feel to it, but it's mm. slightly sillier but yeah absolutely yeah. watch it it's on Prime I think oh, as well it? yeah I think it's on Amazon yeah. Prime um, Call of Duty by the way is going to be directed by the guy behind Soldado the Sicario sequel oh yeah whose name I have memorised and so I'm going to use it damn it do it's it Stefano Salima great name there we are I remembered that specifically to say it so I'm going to say <laughs> see, it see I remembered uh, Paul King but it's, <laughs> it's less <laughs> impressive a challenge yeah uh, good for you you remembered eight letters we've got to talk about LeBron's return to film this is Space Jam 2. <laughs> Wouldn't you love it? Isn't that meant to be Kobe? Who is it that's got. Is, it, is LeBron meant to be doing I thought it was uh, LeBron, Space Jam yeah. 2? I thought it was LeBron. Oh, right, yeah. okay. It's not Kobe. You, so, sorry, just went to interrupt. I watched uh, a short film that Kobe Bryant has helped write, and it's based on a poem that he did. Okay. It's short, like, a sense animated you know, every film. Day. Um, it's nominated for the best, best uh, short, best animated short. Oh, okay. And it's called Dear Basketball. It's mm. really good. It's like six minutes long. You can find it online. Is it on YouTube? I think it's all on YouTube. Oh, yeah. good I forget I watched it, but I, I watched it like last week. And uh, yeah, Kobe Bryant is now an Oscar nominee, which is amazing. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. Uh, well, LeBron is going to be producing, and he's producing a remake of House Party. All right. Why do we need that? Um, just for a new generation, really. That's the whole <laughs> yeah. idea. Um, the idea is, uh, you know, cater to African American audience, make it for a new generation for the because uh, LeBron James himself says, "Look, myself and all my friends growing up, we worshipped this movie. I don't know anyone that wasn't a fan, mm. and I want to do that again." Okay. And I, I'm, I'm on board with that. Apparently, they want to uh, fill out the cast with, uh, with like high profile musicians. 
They want high-profile musicians to contribute to the soundtrack and be in the film. Oh, that makes sense. As just like... Because this could just be the next Can't Hardly Wait, which obviously got kind of overlooked in the wake of House Party to begin with, because House Party was like, you know, half a decade earlier. Mm. But, uh, yeah. Can't Hardly Wait. That could could work. (laughs) Do you know that House Party was originally written for DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince? No, I didn't know it. I did not either until the other day. Uh, Johnny Fraps. Johnny's going to be voicing a, quote, important alien character in Solo, a Star Wars story. Is he? Yeah. So yeah. I, I, they've got to be doing something with his voice. I thought it probably in that way that Simon Pegg had something done with his to be the, the vendor guy in Force Awakens. It'll probably be that, because can you imagine if it's just normal John Favreau? <laughs> <laughs> just like his big, like, Jew, oh God. Jew alien guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just his his character from Swingers. Where the empire's at. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, apparently, because did this happen while we were off? By the way, this whole Uma Thurman Kill Bill incident thing. Yeah. This happened while we were off. Yes. Uh, apparently, there was a dangerous driving stunt on the set of Kill Bill. It's been relatively unspoken of until now. Now it's sort of it's out there that there was a sort of this dangerous incident that uh, negligence was involved and who's to blame. Uh, apparently, in the wake of that and certain uh, the well the resurgence of certain comments Tarantino made about Roman Polanski mm. 15 years ago, because apparently that's a thing. Um, really 15 years ago? Yeah. You, you, Tarantino changes his mind on everything weekly. Well, it was uh, when, when like, The Pianist was out, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because he was doing the whole run fat. Well, and then yeah. He won Best Director, but couldn't leave the country that he was in. Couldn't <laughs> come into America. You know, I remember desperately trying to get a date with a girl who um, really wanted to see The Pianist, so mm. that's what we did on our first date. And, uh, I mean, it ended well, but to be fair, having it's a date... Seeing the pianist. Yeah, having did, a date ends well... Did you see? No, no, don't go there. But the thing is, like, if you, have a, if you have a date end well after you've seen The Pianist, it kind of feels like you're yeah, kind well, of defeating the object yeah. of The Pianist. But, uh, it, yeah... Because you're supposed to go home somber and unhappy. <laughs> that is the only film that I've ever walked out of. And not, really? Not, yeah, not because I... Obviously, it's not a film you enjoy, but like, it's not because it, I wasn't liking the film or anything. Were I you was, just in a rush? No, I was I was with my mum, and my mum got like really upset. Oh. Like, halfway through, and was like, I think we need to leave. I... I'm really upset. And, uh, uh, I obviously do not take after my mum when it comes to film choices. I uh, gave up halfway through a sec- my second screening of Transformers Age of Extinction. It's your second viewing. I just thought, I'll, I need to try again see if it's as bad as I think it is. Um, and you were like, yep, confirmed. Yep, I'm like, yeah. Wait, which, which one? Uh, Age of Extinction. The so, fourth so, one. So, so, yeah, it took you four. It took me four to be like, no, nah, I just oh, can't do this. Oh, is that the fourth this. one? That's oh, yeah, the fourth fifth one. Fifth one is... The, the, is the China one. China. The one where they, the China. one where they pack up halfway, they pack up the plot and yeah. wrap the film. And up like, and let's go, go get that China money. Yeah. yeah, let's go get that money from China and advertise yeah. some Chinese products. Make it out yen, <clears throat> and, and yeah, making that paper, but uh, making yeah. that yen. That's how it goes. That's the one with uh, Tooch and the Tooch um, and the Beats speaker. The Beats speaker, beat yeah. speaker, yeah, made of uh, Transformium. But Transformium, that's Transformium. it. Yeah. Doesn't seem to come up in the next movie though. Strangely, Transformium. No, but we do have Merlin. Oh, played yes. again by Tooch. My God, I'm sozzled. <laughs> Best, best thing about any Transformers film, if Tooch is in it. Well, let me just belt a few out then. So, um, the director of The Billion Brick Race has dropped out, which is going to be the Lego yeah. Lego uh, car race. We could buy wacky races for Lego. Oh, that's cool. um, George Gutierrez, I believe his name is. He right. did, or Jorge Gutierrez. Did he do Book of Life? Book of Life, yeah. yes. He's yeah. uh, packed up. He uh, he wishes him the best with it. He just he can't do it for scheduling reasons, apparently. Oh, okay. But, but he replaced, um, was it Jason Siegel? Jason Siegel wasn't directing, he was writing. Was it Drew Pierce that was going to direct? Oh, uh, yeah, it rings a bell. Yeah, Drew Pierce was the co writer on, on Iron Man 3 and, and you know, Shane Black, or no. 
Um, the Irishman is going to get a theatrical release in China. Uh, I had news about that as well. Really? Irishman. Yeah, but it's gone. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll find it again. No, you, no. Well, I'll, 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 I'll blag it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's costing a lot of money. It's basically all the news. So it was... Yeah, it had a budget of like 150 million, mm. and it's still going. Oh God, yes, it's it is. still going. In fact, it might have been even more. It might have been like 190 or something. God, a Scorsese passion project run off the rails budgetarily. Yeah, never. But Netflix have got lots of money. Netflix so have like, all the money. It's fine. And um, <laughs> an actress you quite like, uh, Elizabeth Moss, has landed a new role. She's going to star as Rosemary Kennedy. Has she replaced someone? Is this, is I, I don't know happens. offhand. I, I've, I've not seen that she's she's taken over from someone else. That could be cool. But the story sounds kind of interesting. It is about the sort of relatively secretive, behind-closed-doors life of uh, Rosemary Kennedy, who's, I believe, JFK's oldest sister. Oh. Um, she was developmentally challenged. She was in and out of institutions her whole life. She, was, she had a botched lobotomy. And the film is based on letters that she wrote. Oh and it's about how her case became the sort of catalyst for change when dealing with mental health. So, and Elizabeth Moss being in there. I'd watch that. You would, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd be like, wait, so that's the story and it stars Elizabeth Moss? Take my money. So that's Elizabeth Moss's, like, That's Oscar. her Oscar. Oscar that's her Oscar. Yeah. yeah. Right there, Done. yeah. Yeah, she's good. She's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at the other you, end you do look like amazing actors like that now when you think... What project is going to get them a nomination or an Oscar? Yeah, you like, do. Absolutely. I, I, I'm thinking about, about Sterling K. Brown. Oh, yeah, like, quite clearly. Every yes. time I see him in something. Because I'm, I'm a big This Is Us fan. I, I'm going I'm to sit and start watching it once I'm done with Sons of Anarchy, by the way. Oh, you'll just... You'll have no more tears left. I, well, I can imagine having seen the oh first two episodes, I think. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, but also I've had kind of the big big twist spoiled for me. But, you know. Which, which one? One from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Super Bowl. One, yeah. I, I don't know, that. because like that's that's not so much a twist. Although, actually, have you had the whole episode spoiled? Uh, yes, ish, yes. So, yeah. so I, you, do you, you know how it unfolds? I know how it unfolds, yeah, yeah, I know about it, yeah. Oh, okay. But, uh, but I, and I am intrigued. It'll I'm still intrigued. be good, though. Okay, good, that's fair enough. Um, speaking of TV shows, because we're talking about TV, um, one of my favourite film series, a sort of guilty pleasure of mine, mm. is headed to television. Um, and it's canon as well. Oh, so right. in that same way that Evil Dead became, you know, Army of Darkness, yeah. then became the TV, the TV spin-off yeah. Ash vs. Evil Dead. Which is, which is good. Which oh, is yeah. very good. I'm a very big fan of the series. Um, Child's Play is headed that way as well. The continuing oh, adventures yeah. of Chucky. And apparently it will follow on directly from the end of Cult of Chucky, the most recent one, which had a very... Is he going to have... What's his face in it? What's his... Brad Dourif will yeah. be involved. Good. He will be back. If you've seen the end of Cult of Chucky, you're going to question quite how oh, was that? Was that the last one? That was the last Apparently one. Apparently that's pretty decent. It's very good. I had a lot yeah. of it. It's a lot it. more overtly comedic. It's the most overtly comedic one since uh, uh, Bride of Chucky. Right. Oh, sorry, the most successfully comedic one. Yes. Seed of Chucky was quite overtly. Um, Jennifer Tilly is in it, isn't she? Jennifer Tilly is in it. Pretty much it's a big reunion movie. So Andy Barkley comes back, for cool. instance. And uh, yeah, just absolutely check it out. It's so good. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, we're kind of getting a Braveheart sequel. Yes. yes. Kind of. Robert, Robert the Bruce. Robert the Bruce yes. is also going to star Angus McFadden. Ang- Angus McFadden. Who played Robert the Bruce in Braveheart as Robert the Bruce in Robert the Bruce. Amazing. Yeah. So, to Robert, to Bruce. Oh my God, I've, I've been waiting, what, 20, <laughs> 23 years for this all? Because he was... He was great, wasn't he? He was always my favourite part of Braveheart. He was a genuinely, genuinely brilliantly conflicted character, and I yeah. loved that about that film. But, oh, yeah. that's, that's amazing. He's also In co-written Holden. it. So, Oh, yeah. come on. This yes. could really be interesting. Right, um, speaking of him, yeah. there's a film I want to discuss with you. 
Okay. Um, in which Angst Adam plays the bad guy. And it is a film that I had completely forgotten about. Is it Equilibrium? No, he's not going about, isn't he? Yeah. No, it came out in like mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. It's called Warriors of Virtue. Do you know, I don't remember this movie. Do you not remember it? No. It was it was kind of positioned as being like a kid's like action fantasy franchise. Yeah. So like a kid gets transported to another world with like mystic warriors and ninjas. <laughs> the mystic warriors and ninjas are kangaroos. Okay, right, right, no, 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 right, just stop right there. Mm. You, you, you have my attention. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm going to watch this now because, yeah, once you get to kangaroos, yeah. if you're not Tank Girl and you get to kangaroos, mm. that's where you stop and you mm. have my attention. Yeah, and then kangaroos. Yeah, just, he wow. is, he is the villain in it. I mean, and a couple of months ago, because I completely forgot what the film was called, mm-hmm. I just kept remembering bits about it. I was in a shop, like an antique shop, and there was a doll of one of these kangaroos, <gasps> and he said Warriors of Virtue, and I was like, that's my film! <laughs> and I nearly brought it down. Okay, I will, I'm definitely going to watch that. Just, Warriors, just, Warriors of Virtue. Just type in, just so you can see what these weird ninja things look like. Oh, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do that. Uh, whilst I'm looking this up, I'm going to tell you that um, 28 months later, right, which is the sequel we kind yes. of always wanted to see. That um, ain't happening. It's not happening, is it? Because, no. you know, Alex Garland has now gone into directing for himself. Um, he's evidently too busy to do it. Apparently they had ideas for what, what to do with a third in the 28 series. What do you call it? 28 Days Later series? I guess, yeah, yeah. The 28 series? That's later on. In a um, bit, in a bit, series. In a bit. Oh my god, these kangaroos look amazing. I know. <laughs> oh right, no, no, no. I'm, I'm dismantling. I'm getting rid of the page right there. I don't want to see any more. I want to enjoy that. I watch the film. That is that is a film I definitely want to enjoy. Well, I I want to rewatch it because I remember seeing it when I was a kid. And I think it was the first one that I saw when I was a kid that I was like, "This is terrible." <laughs> oh, we never followed up that Tarantino story, by the way. Did we not? Apparently, after all that controversy, uh, Sony are reconsidering their position on distributing his Charles Manson movie. Yeah, interesting. Yes. Netflix so. to the rescue. Yeah, yeah that'll be Netflix. Yeah. Um, let's see. So Alex got on to it. David Goya dropped out of directing uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe for Sony. That film didn't need a director. <laughs> well, he's still going to write himself. it, though. Oh, is he? Yeah. He's still going to stay on as a writer. He's just not going to direct it. Weird. But, I don't know if we need that. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, we, you know, we never talked about it when we reviewed Lady Bird, by the way. But, right. How much, and I, I didn't really think I'd be saying this anytime soon, how much I really adore Timothy Chalamet in it. Yes, really, he's amazing. And just correct me if I'm wrong. And the other lad, is it Lucas Hedges? Lucas Hedges, yeah. yeah. Both great. In yeah. my written review, I did single them both out. But um, Timothy Chalamet, is it just me, or is he playing the girl's fantasy boyfriend from Inside Out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he actually that, is, that haircut, definitely. Yeah, you know, yeah. with the haircut and the... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's playing that character. He plays guitar. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's so... Do you know what? I, I just I'm going to watch Inside Out again soon. Oh, yeah. I love that. I really liked Inside Out. Yeah, it's amazing. I love a bit with the dad and that kid when he was like, I play guitar as well. Oh, my favourite bit in the whole of Inside Out is Lewis Black's pizza rant. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, San Francisco. You're ruined pizza. <laughs> uh, the reason I mentioned Timothy Chalamet is he's our final bit of news. Um, he is going to play a young Henry VIII oh, yeah. in a Netflix movie called The King, mm. um, in which it, it's literally the story of how Henry inherits the crown. And he's young and inexperienced and has to step up to the plate because his brother, big brother's been killed in battle. Mm. And he has to fend off war with France. And yes, that'd be cool. I think that was pretty good casting. That could be interesting. He, he looks like a tiny English king. Yeah, he does. He, he absolutely looks like a 
big fat. Yeah, he looks like he's going to peak before middle age, pile pounds on after that, and yeah. just uh, that, that was Ray my, Winston. Ray Winston's way around the place. That's totally what he looks. What he looks like. Yeah, totally. Somewhere in the world, Ray Winston's just woken up. It's just been like I've just been used as a verb. Do you know what? I think that's probably the best way Ray Winston's ever woken up and found out he's been used. Anyway, um, so <laughs> on which note, uh, let's let's kill it for the week. We we, we we've killed it already. Let's uh, let's end it. So, should we? Do you want to cue us out? I'll let you. I'm I'm being generous today. In my most daily show like manner, here it is. Your moment of cage. We're, we're standing right here, sir. This line is yeah. an underground tunnel, an escape route that was never found. I wonder. I wonder if it's still there. <laughs> Only one way to find out, sir. Well, maybe we should take a look. Are, are we allowed to do that? No, I mean, I know you're allowed to do that. <laughs> you're the president. I, can I come with you?